Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, a quick warning, there may be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we'll do our best to warn you that they're coming. This week, we're a little late again, because California has been on fire. We hope you'll understand, but things are much better now, and we're all safe, and we're talking about Parasite, the much, 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 much hyped thriller from Korean director Bong Joon-ho. As always, we'd like to start out with the plea to rate and review us, so please do that. And what'd you do in pop culture this week, Justin? It's been a little quiet because uh, aforementioned fires and uh, traveling and guests, um, so I've not done a ton of stuff, but what I have done is more reading. Yay! Yay! Terrific! Um, well, actually, I, not even reading, listening. Um, I listened to the Liz Fair memoir, Horror Stories, on Audible. I've now finally, after many, many, many months of Fanny talking about how fun Audible is, I got the Audible fever, mostly because when you're listening to a memoir, not a biography by somebody who's reading it, it's extra fun, because yep. you get their voice and kind of hear their own voice. Uh, Liz Fair, I've talked about many times on this podcast. I love her. I think she's fantastic. Um, it's a really interesting memoir, because it is not at all like, here's how I made my career, here's what happened, here's all the sexism I faced along the way. It's sort of of like much she's a writer Liz Fair is a great writer has always been and this memoir is much more about um, horror stories kind of small horror stories in her life that sort of define her that keep her kind of questioning herself questioning her success uh, for better or for worse she comes across as extremely human um, sometimes a little you know privileged like white girl from whatever but I think she's always super honest about that She's a great writer. She tells a story. Well, spoilers for Liz Fair's horror stories. She tells a story about a um, friend that was in a car back in her high school years that she barely remembers the person's name. She was sort of a pretty girl that had, like, cool, you know, stoner whatever friends and was driving around in a car. And suddenly there was was this girl that was in the car with her who she thought was very beautiful but didn't really know she was and was a little kind of protective, like, who are you? You know, she's always very honest about her shortcomings. And it turns out that this girl... Um, is very not psyched and not playing into Liz Fair's like, how's your summer going? And like, she sort of mocks herself as she says this. And it basically turns out this girl is getting a piece of her jaw and her nose removed because she has some sort of condition and is sort of like, this is my last night to be, be out. Pretty. And my parents let me out and be pretty. And she's so desperate for some sense of validation and it freaks Liz Fair out because she's sort of like, she is beautiful, but also, well, I don't even know what this feels like. But she's also like, I don't want to talk about this. Like, I just want to hang out with my friends in the car and not think about it. And this this girl ends up saying, can you, do you think I'm pretty? And Liz Fair says yes. And she says, do you, can you remember my face? Because I don't know that anybody else will. Um who who knows if any of this is true? It's a very Liz Farish kind of situation where she's a writer. She's clearly kind of a short story 
secret sneaky that's her real thing um these are really great short stories also very invisible monsters what's that chuck palinuk novel okay is that a thing from that uh it's the main character was a fashion model who has part of her face taken off in a an accident Hmm. okay um who knows i'm not saying that it's not true i'm just saying that that's what it rings to me is this very specific yeah I love this fair. I just think she's a super great um, sort of writer, generally. And I, and she has a new song out, which um, is called uh, Good Side, that is very classical as fair. Go listen to it. I'm not going to play it because there's other stuff I want to play this week. Um, but she's just great and underappreciated. I was talking to a coworker who is in her 20s and was like, I have, I've never heard of her. I don't know who that is. <laughs> it's like... Um, and she's like, well, what's she like? And this is somebody that I really respect. And she said, what do you know? What's she like? And I said, well, soccer mommy is a band that's uh, young, very popular. And she said, Oh my God, I love soccer mommy. And I thought, okay, like, so check Liz fair out. This is right. your connection. I found out literally like 20 minutes later that soccer mommy opened for Liz fair like a year ago. Um, and I, I knew there was some connection and there's all these kind of guitar bands coming out right now that are, uh, you know, predominantly led by women and sort of reveling in that 90s sound, which was also a very non-grungy, non-heavy sound. It was right. like women can sort of access this like damage and also not be like junky rock star burnouts or whatever. And I, I sort of love that this fair was the, to me, the beacon of that world. So the anti-grunge moment of right. 1992 or whatever that was. Anyways, I love horror stories. She's writing another book. I can't wait to see it, read it, listen to it, whatever works. Um, I also saw Downtown 81, uh, last night at the Roxy in San Francisco. Great theater. Shout out to the Roxy. It is like truly one of the last independent great theaters in, in, I don't know, in San Francisco. I just, I hadn't been to a theater like that in so long where it was like no weird, like, you know, Coke flying at you with little aliens and like the Dolby whatever. It took me a minute to figure out what you were talking about. I'm like, they threw milk duds at us, not Coke. I know, I know. But you know what I mean, right? Yes. Like it's so, it was so nice to just see like a, they're playing crazy good movies. And so God bless independent movie theaters. That's one thing I'm going to say. Uh, Downtown 81 is a movie shot in 81. Um, it is a fascinating story. John uh, Michelle Basquiat, famous artist. Um, all of his crazy downtown friends, a lot of musicians. Uh, Z Records was a big part of this world. It's like James Chance and Lydia Lunch and uh, the No Wave movement, as they called it, which is sort of a reaction to all of the like new romantic new wave. It was No Wave. It was very New York, like American, just like reaction to new romantic bullshit that New Wave got associated with. I love this era. It's uh, might not be a surprise for anybody listening. This is really kind of my, I'm realizing more and more. This is my basis of how I approach music. It's just how I sort of see the world. Um, and there's a band that I discovered through this. Who's actually not in the soundtrack to this, um, but they are fantastic. They're called Delta five and they were sort of part of this. And, like the English sort of version of all of this, they were very gang of foray. Um, I'd never heard of this band in my life. They showed up on a Spotify playlist that was sort of was kind of about this movie, basically, and all the kind of like-minded things. Um, how is this band not famous? I want to play this song. Mind your own business. Delta Five. Mm-hmm. 
that is Delta Five. Mind your own business. Uh, I was uh, talking off mic here about well, how does not everybody know the song? Fanny said, "How do you not know the song?" And that is a good fucking question because I should know this band. Um, I somebody who champions this kind of shit like Delta Five. British band, feminist, uh, crazy proto-dance punk. There's so much good music from this era that I just... Yeah, I, I think it influenced the next 30, 40 years of alt music and nobody talks about it. Uh, Downtown 81, great movie, good music. I also want to talk briefly, I saw this movie, Buck, um, which is about the real inspiration behind The Horse Whisperer, uh, which is the Robert Redford movie and Scarlett Johansson movie that nobody saw. Give Christian um, Stuart Scott Thomas at least a mention. Oh, was she in the, that movie? I yeah. didn't see that. Um, She's Buck, the, the f- female lead, yeah. Buck Branneman is... The, the character, uh, the real person who had a very interesting approach to training horses. Shout out to my husband's sister, uh, Judy, who recommended this movie. And we watched it when we were all hanging out. And it is very, it's fascinating. I mean, it is really, I want you to see it at some point. Because it's really about kind of this kid who was abused, who dealt with like a cowboy kind of father who was all about beating him and beating his brothers. And... And that's how you trained horses. And this kid out of nowhere, I mean, I don't know, he did have some mentors, but basically was like, no, you train horses by like respecting them and, and never beating them and figuring out how to just sort of find a common ground it is a lovely, very sweet documentary. Um, it, yeah, I got a little teary, I'm not going to lie. And I do not <laughs> generally care about horse trainer movies but buck <laughs> is fantastic it's a documentary i believe it is available on um you just Prime. look up horse training videos on youtube yeah uh quick mid-season recap um i watched the connors i watched the good place i watched mom i've been watching them big old meh i'm not into any of the shows this is I don't know. I don't even know. I'm continuing with any of these shows. There's so much good stuff on that these are not things that I care to really continue with. Um, but I still am. So, <laughs> meh. <laughs> That's a thing. Yes. Um, should we talk briefly about the thing we both watched together, The Watchmen? Sure. Um, all right. So I talked about The Watchmen last week. We, I think I really liked the pilot. I thought it was pretty provocative. I think I had a caveat of where is this going. Um it is very different than the source material, I think, in thrilling, potentially great ways. We've now seen two episodes. What did you think of Watchmen? I don't know anything about the Watchmen. Well, I'm going to preface that with I, I saw the movie. I remember nothing of the movie. I don't haven't read the comic. I know the last three words because of Eleanor and Park. Okay. This is my, this is where I stand with the Watchmen. Basically I'm aware of its work. I know lots of people who love it. It's never been my thing. Yeah. I think this is an incredibly well-made show. I think probably 50% of it is going over my head because it's probably like, Oh, building stuff for the comic that you should know about. Um, I I will stand in my I am interested in this show. I will continue to watch this show, but I think I need three or four more episodes before I have a full opinion of what I think of it. Aside from the fact that everybody is doing a very good job acting and that it seems to be well written and tightly controlled and and acted show run. So I 
am enjoying it. I don't think I have enough information to to speak on it with much intelligence in the Watchmen world. What do you think? I'm kind of with you. I mean, I think you've nailed it perfectly. I think that first episode was super audacious. And, you know, I like the fact that they're kind of like, fuck you, fanboys. We're going to do something interesting and relevant right now. And like I raised last episode, I'm a little concerned about Lindelof's uh, ability to handle the nuances of race stuff. The second episode definitely raised some alarms for me. It felt a little all over the place and a little... Like, oh, is this, like, really just, like, a puzzle box for you? Or do you actually care about the racial thing that you're addressing? Like, there's a there's a definite... And this is a problem of comic books in general, right? Like, bringing things up because they're cool and provocative versus, like, really understanding them or feeling them or hiring people that really understand what that feels like um, in your writer's room. Like, there's definitely, like, I'm nervous about the disconnect between that. Did... We said we're going to warn you. We're going to talk spoilers here, you guys, for the first two episodes, which isn't a ton, but we are. So did we need to burn the guy up in the box? I mean, they're clones. I know, but it was still gross. It was gross. It's so funny. (laughs) That didn't bother me at all because it was so... There's something about the way Lindelof handles violence that it it doesn't bother me at all because it's so perfunctory. Like, there's never... There's no horror and there's no shock in it, but I think this speaks to my point of, like... Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing right. with this? Like, it's sort of this, like, callous violence. And I felt this way about the Watchmen comic a little bit. Right. Like, there's no... It's it's one... It's like, it's like being concerned from a distance. Right. And without any real stakes or skin in the game. I guess. Um, I just... I just... There was a way to get to the end of that play in that guy's mind without having to have charred flesh and... Yeah, screaming in fires. Oh my god, it's so funny. I was like, eh. <laughs> I had no reaction to it. I just, all. I just, I didn't. Yeah, like I wasn't like, ew, yuck. I don't want to watch it. Was just like, why are we bothering yeah. to do this? There's no point in this. It's, it's just gross it's to be gross, cynicism. and that's like, stupid. And, and sort of like nihilism. Like nihilism yes, is not an organizing principle for any. Great I don't art. like the Iron Story. I'm yeah. not interested. I, yeah, I think it's. Trying the hardest to be, oh, what's happening? Can you figure it out? We're giving you all these clues. And A, I'm not a comic reader, so I know I'm not getting half of it. And B, stop trying to just be weird to be weird. There's enough with the squids and with Regina King's character trying to figure out what's going on. She's so good. She's great. I... You know, if you're going to be weird for being weird's sake, have a big giant magnet come down and steal your grandfather. That was fun. That's be weird for weird's sake. I'm yep. okay with that. But just being, you know, I just... Yeah, I, it's, I'm still on the fence. I think this show could pull it off because I really, yeah, really liked The Leftovers. I think that's actually a pretty wonderful show that's sort of very caring in its own weird fucked up right. way. Uh, this show is in a, in a struggle with its source material. And, and expectations around its source material, which right. is maybe kind of good and also maybe disappointing. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, look, we have a cat in here. Elsie has thoughts. Yeah, Elsie has <laughs> thoughts. Um, all right. What else did you do? Um, I watched all of the first season of Barry, which I think we talked about a while back. We watched two episodes. The teeth thing happened. Justin was out. I meant to keep going. I didn't. 
I have to give a huge shout out to all of the people that are making half an hour shows. Please continue to make half an hour shows. This is about what I have in me is 35 to 40 minutes. That's what that's what I've got for you. Perfect. So 100 percent on board. Thank you, Barry, for making 30 minute episodes, because I sat and with gaped mouth because it was early in the morning, watched the entire first season. I I will continue watching. Everybody on this show is really good. Yeah, uh, some, I liked all the actors. Uh, Henry Winkler is great. Uh, the woman that plays his love interest is super hateable. At least I hate her, so I don't know if you're supposed to like her at all, but I think she's awful. Um, Elsie really has thoughts. <laughs> she appears to like this woman more than I do. <laughs> anyway, not shocking anyone since Hater's taken home, what, two Emmys for this? Yeah. This is a good show. I'll continue watching it. I also watched Mrs. Fletcher, despite the fact that Casey Wilson is in it. Wait, is this the mysteries of... No. no. Mrs. Mrs. Fletcher is uh, Tom Parada, who wrote The Leftovers. Oh. Uh, he Crazy. has... Cre- it was his novel. It's his... He wrote the show and is, I think, show running it. Uh, based on his own novel about a woman whose super broy lacrosse head moron son right. goes off to college and she has kind of an awakening with the kid from it. Okay. Uh, it chapter two, the bad guy. Oh, right, well, the, right. in both it's, but the, you, it's nice to have that actor be somebody that isn't, you know, stabbing people right. in the stomach. Catherine Hahn's great. Catherine Hahn's always great. I love Catherine um, Hahn. She's so wonderful and. Catherine Hahn needs to be in everything. This show stresses me out a little bit uh, in just that it has this sort of look at how unlikable a lot of these people are and how miserable this woman is. And But it does not seem to be laughing at the idea that a 40-something pushing 50-year-old woman should still have an active social life and could still be attractive, uh, which I respect. And I'll watch more of this if they just keep Casey Wilson at the minimum, then I'm okay. It's a good show. Catherine Hahn's great. Fair enough. Uh, I caught up, my shows that I caught up on were The Unicorn, Mixed Dish, and Blackish. They're all fine. They're, they're a little above meh. I mean, Unicorn's meh, except for the Walton Goggins and his daughters thing, which is great. I wish they would just take all the friends and push them off a cliff and just make this show about this widow trying to figure out what to do with his kids, because that's awesome. That part's great. Network um, TV is rough, though, right now. Yeah, it's bad. Mixed Dish, I cry every time. It's very sweet, whatever. It's not a great show. It's not a terrible show. Same with Blackish. Fine. Um, then I made the mistake of reading articles linked on Twitter. Alan Seppenwall, who is a TV critic of whether you care about him or not, he tends to at least have the right politics. Whether you agree with what he likes to watch on TV or not is another question, because usually yeah. I don't agree with him. But His bar's a little low. Yeah, his bar's a little low. But he did an interview at the end of The Deuce with David Simon, where David Simon turned himself into like five pretzels trying to defend James Franco. Ugh. I was sort of like in the, yeah, James Franco's canceled, but whatever. Like, uh, like I'm not going to watch him and stuff, but he doesn't. he's definitely not Harvey Weinstein. 
now I'm like, David Simon, James Franco, you both canceled. You're next. You're out. I'm done with both of you. David Simon, I don't want to. I was going to watch the rest of The Deuce. I'm not doing it now. It felt like, A, he is just so grateful that somebody as good looking as James Franco wants to be friends with him. And so he will, you know, put his hands on his hips and defend him. It also seemed like, so what exactly did you do to your actors in the first season that you're afraid is going to come out? Oh, really? Yeah, it definitely felt like we made some mistakes in our first season, but super through no fault of our own. And just because Maggie's so free and awesome, which I believe Maggie is free and awesome, but I also don't believe in any way, shape or form that she would suborn any type of actor feeling uncomfortable or but he, the way he presented not only his defense of James Franco, but the mistakes that they made in their first season and what they expected of actors makes me feel like, okay, so what are you afraid is going to come out? Maybe they really truly were innocent mistakes, and I'm not saying they were like, you know, trade, you know, trading sex for roles or anything, but I don't think they followed what they were supposed to be following because of what they're willing to admit to. You also feel like, why do you need to defend James like Franco? Just be like, I'm not going to Well, they did about- really important things in that show. Right. And this was very much what it was. You don't understand. He did a great job. We, we said important things. We're rich white guys saying, straight white guys saying important things about women in the sex industry. How can you possibly be upset? It's about that a woman his, in power. Yeah, that his girlfriend said that she did, that he was obnoxious to her. Now, now what's the main difference there was no assault it's read the article it's on rolling stone's website you can find it i'm gonna just get myself super worked up here if i continue going on and i will say words i don't want to be saying and i'll say shit about james franco that he'll come get me and it'll be bad and dave franco you still seem like a nice guy you married a smart woman just get away from your brother so or your brother is evil twin Exactly, <laughs> David Simon. Done with you. We're 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 done. We're we're you're next. We're divorced. I'm over it. Uh, also, um, in the kids might save the world news, there was a principal who told junior high students that even though they managed to get a grant to get free tampons into their female bathrooms, these are seventh, eighth, and ninth graders, that sorry, you'll they'll be it'll be taken advantage of. You may not put tampons in your bathrooms, which. Okay, that principal's next anyway, but the kids responded by making tampon cookies and having a cookie in. Amazing. <laughs> they look a lot like s'mores, you guys. You should go look this up as well, because, again, if we let the kids do what they're going to do, I really do think they're going to save us. So, a next for the principal, a yay for those kids, and hey, that's kids. my week in pop culture. Save us, please. <laughs> yes, please. Should we talk about Parasite? Let's do it. Uh, Bong Joon-ho, the much-acclaimed director of The Host and Snowpiercer, returns with a darkly comic Hitchcockian thriller about a down-on-their-luck family uh, that ingratiates theirself into a wealthy wealthy couple's lives. It gets twisty. Uh, we are going to talk spoilers, so bail out now and come back uh, if after you've seen it, if you are worried about spoilers for this movie, which I think if you want to see it, you probably should be. So yeah. if you're interested in this movie, just bail out now and and come back and listen to this in a week. Um, what did you think of the parasite? Or the p- parasite? <laughs> parasite. No, the. <laughs> I think that the. You know, we really mean it. Bail out if you're not going to do. If you haven't seen it. Because I think the best part of it for me was that I went in completely blind. I knew that there was a twist just because they do not. 
you cannot read three lines about this movie or watch 30 seconds of a trailer without them going, and the twist is amazing! Yeah. Which, I get that they have to do that to get people to go. I understand the marketing of it, but... I wonder if going in totally blind would have been even more interesting. I think you can feel that there is something else going on in the way that the movie is being made from the first frame. But because I was expecting a twist, I was guessing what, what, you know, my brain, my writer brain started to say, okay, so is it going to be this and how are they going to do that? And so I was glad I hadn't read anything. This is a very beautiful movie. This is a very well-acted movie. This movie is at least 30, probably 40 minutes too long. Agreed. Um, what'd you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Um, so, the, I, did you see The Host or Snowpiercer? Nope. Neither of them. Really nope. interesting. Okay. Is so, the host the one that's based on the... The host is the sea monster that okay. jumps out of the river Different and soul. I know yeah. about Snowpiercer, but... Yeah. Um, I like both those movies. They are sort of wonderfully sort of B-movie-ish, silly. Like, I think they're good, like, little, like, B-movie thrillers, but right. have this family dynamic that's really interesting. So this is definitely, in my mind, a step forward from him. for, for him. Like, it is... It is masterful. I mean, there are Hitchcockian moments in it, and the way he uses the camera, and the way he uses yep. the setting, and the actors. Like, I really was excited about much of that, watching most of this movie. He's built his suspense very Hitchcockingly mm. and beautiful. When yeah. there's times when people are hiding in different places, where you're you're literally on the edge of your seat when all it is is don't get caught in a room. Yeah. You know? it's, it's so good and so funny in that yeah. Hitchcocky way, where it's sort yeah. of blackly comic of like, yep. how are you in this situation? You're terrible people, and yet <laughs> I so have been in some similar situation. Right. Um, I also want to call out the acting. I thought, uh, especially uh, Park Sodam is the sister and Cho Yo Jong as the kind of wealthy mother that the, the, the sort of poorer family is fleecing. Really, really amazing performances. Yeah. Um, it is funny. It is twisty. It is beautiful. It is too long. <laughs> I think the shift from co- like comedy, like social comedy, right. to sort of horror thriller doesn't totally work. There's just a, a shift that I don't know. It's like even I knew it was coming probably more than you did. Oh, I, I know you did. More. I had my human spoiler with me. Yeah. I was like, oh, something gross is going to happen. Yeah, but it still didn't work. It right. just felt a little like like a Frankenstein movie of like, how do you get from sort of desperation to like a lack of morals, which I think is an interesting question. And the movie does a fairly good job of looking into, but it the way that it sort of snaps <laughs> and it right. really snaps is I don't know that it works. I just don't know what to say about it. I, I feel like this is a movie that I need to think about. Right. Um, it is still definitely too long. I will always feel that way. Um, there's a whole thing where basically this family, it's like they're, they're funny and awful. And then it tries to really build sympathy for like, Oh, but there's a family that's struggling and then they go crazy awful. Right. And it's sort of this like, I don't know. There's something about it that feels a little dishonest or something or like not. I can't see this family going crazy awful. Yeah, no. I could see them doing the peach thing to get the other woman out of the house. I mean, right, which could have killed her. Which is yeah, which is awful. <laughs> yeah, but 
you don't necessarily, you know, you hear somebody's very allergic to something, you don't necessarily think I'm going to put them into anaphylactic shock and kill them, which granted doesn't happen, but I could see that it's when it went just full slasher movie. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't without buy it any of them pausing or thinking, oh, yeah. do I want to do this? It was like, no, we just start killing people. Yeah. And I didn't get that. I, it didn't, it's like that shift, that switch. Yeah. It's like Hitchcock is a master of that. Oh, yeah. I think partly because he identifies from the beginning those people are like that. Right. And they're going to turn that way. And maybe right. that's very like his point. Uh, bon Joon Ho is like, you know, you can't actually predict that. Like anybody can snap. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff about sort of um, uh, North Korea and kind of what, how that affects. Right. I think there's something there that may con- maybe contextually is like I'm, we're not understanding. It's possible. Sort of this idea that like, like you could be like attacked by nuclear weapons at any point, but you sort of live with this balance of everything's fine. Like there's something that. I I felt outside of watching right. the movie, which I, you know, I, I have nothing to say about that other than I felt outside of that. Right. So, um, but I don't know. I'm curious. I mean, I, I do think this film is worth seeing. It's yep. kicking around in my head. Um, it is definitely worth seeing. I love the fact that it was at our generic ass mall movie theater and it was sold out and right? people applauded and there was a Korean couple behind me. I think they're Korean, but they were behind us and talking loudly and I had to shush them and I felt weird and crazy about it. But I, at the same time, I was like, oh my God, they're so excited that there's like a Korean movie in the multiplex that's like the big sleeper thriller of the right fall um so there's like a lot to like about this movie um i think first half is funny as hell (laughs) very true um i mean especially the performances with the sister the way that they work their way into this family and um there's something sort of trumpy like right like the inverse of trump family right. like what if the trump family had no power but all of the sleaze like, right i learned all the <laughs> and tricks. all of the charisma yep. yeah yep. um and so it's that's that's fun there's a lot of fun stuff i don't know i don't know what to make about this movie like it's a uh, yeah i want you to see the host and snowpiercer i think that might be good homework mm. um especially the host which is like a very silly fun b horror movie snowpiercer i don't know they're both kind of fun okay Okay, <laughs> like homework. We'll talk. Um, we'll, we'll talk after you've watched lots more homework. Since. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, anything else this week? No, I don't think so. All right. Uh, let us know if you've seen Parasite or anything we talked about at the next group on the next podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can email us at motionnicks at gmail. You can tweet at us at the next podcast. I'm at Justin Hartung on Twitter. I'm at Fanny V Darling. See you next week. Bye.